Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I believe that God's Word will provide for you the spiritual nourishment that you need to flourish, prosper, and succeed in all that God has called you to do and be. Praise God. We're going to first today receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. I would like for you to take your Bible and look with me at a familiar scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God. Please don't ever forget this. God wants you to remember this. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Now remember, there's nothing wrong with wealth or extra money or lots of extra money. If there was something wrong with it, if it were sinful, God would not give you the power to get it. Okay? So this is a blessing from the Lord. Now you'll always have some Christians who try to present what I would call a false spirituality by saying, oh, I, I don't need extra Pastor Stephen. I, I don't, my needs are very small, and so I, I don't need wealth. Well, actually, that's a very selfish comment if you stop and think about it, because all they're considering are their needs, and they don't see the needs of others. But when you move into wealth, you move into having extra. And now you can reach out and minister to others through that, that vehicle of strength of wealth. You can touch people with the love of Christ, with the love of God, in a very real way. Okay? So it says, that God gives the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So I want you to use your faith on purpose specifically for God to take you into wealth. And there is a power. There is a, a grace by God, a blessing by the Lord to go into wealth where you're not just at a place where your needs are met. You've gone way beyond that, and you have extra, and you can use that extra uh, as the Holy Spirit gives you guidance, direction, and wisdom to make application of it. Well, Pastor Stephen, how would I get into wealth? Well, uh, wealth is really just a bunch of money. And if you look at it from that perspective and understand what money is, then you can begin to touch that power of God, uh, which involves really the, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love and, and, you know, patience and all this. All of that will move toward, towards wealth or having lots of money. Let me explain it. Money, when you boil it all down and get down to the basic common denominator of money, money is basically a reward system for having pleased another human. Stop and think about that just for a moment. That's all it is. Money is simply a reward system for having pleased another human. And the better you get at pleasing, the more money is going to begin to flow into your life. Let me say it like this. You can please your employer. You can please your manager. You can please the corporation by solving problems. Really, that's why they hired you. You're not there just because they like your smile, your personality, and all that may be wonderful, but you're there to do what? You're there to please. Please how? By solving problems. And it comes down to this. 
Money, which is a reward system, is based on your problem-solving ability. And the larger, the bigger the problem you solve, the greater the reward that is going to come to you. Stop and think for a moment about several decades ago when we had, uh, I, mean, I mean, this was literally decades ago. Let's go back. 40 years, and we had the Sears Roebuck catalog. How, how many of you remember that catalog uh, who are my age or older? It was about this thick, and you could buy everything in that catalog from socks to, uh, you know, a washing machine and uh, many things in between, a tool chest, uh, buy a wrench, buy a screwdriver, buy a pair of boots. All kinds of stuff was in that Sears Roebuck catalog. Well, the catalog has, you know, now been discontinued because uh, nobody really reads that uh, stuff. Nobody's got time for that. Plus, everything is faster now. So, you have a man named Jeff Bezos. He comes along, creates a company called Amazon. What is Amazon? It is a more efficient way to please the customer base so that you can get what you want faster, quicker, often with even free shipping sent right to your door. And you don't need a big catalog. You can just go online because catalogs, you know, they're dated by the time you get it and you read it. Well, you, they may have discontinued that model. And so all of that stuff is changing. But if you go online, oh, there it is. And because they're, they're distributing these things for sale through massive volume, the prices are going to be so low, nobody can beat the price. And now you can go there and they'll send it right to you. So that's all Amazon is. It's like the Sears Roebuck catalog and it, it works. Why? People want the cheapest price. Uh, people want the simplest, easiest thing uh, that can be sent to them with the least amount of difficulty and they want what they want. And if you can supply that, then you're going to end up like Jeff Bezos having pleased a lot of people, which is why he's worth today $200 billion. Praise the Lord. See, money is a reward system for having pleased another human. The bigger the problem and solving that problem, the greater the reward, such as Goliath. Uh, was, who was creating a big problem for Israel. And it didn't seem to be anybody out there uh, amongst, you know, these hundreds of thousands of, of soldiers or warriors who wanted to tackle that problem. But one person solved it. His name was David. And when he killed Goliath, there was what? There was a reward. Pastor Stephen, money is luck. No, 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 no. Money is a reward system. Don't look at people who are successful as those who were lucky or as those who had, uh, you know, born, as they say, under a lucky star or with a silver spoon in their mouth. No. Look at them as people who figured out ways to please other humans. And when you see it that way and you find out your specialty, then God will uh, begin to put that power behind that, and you can go into wealth. Praise the Lord. Now, remember, in many areas, these are principles that even if an unbeliever works biblical principles, it will work for that person. Although, it's awful that if they don't know Christ, what does it matter if they gain the whole world but then lose their own soul? So at least we have Christ because that's everything. But God wants to make His people wealthy. As long as you're not covetous, as long as you don't love money, but you realize the importance of it and what you can do with it, then God wants to make you wealthy. And this is something that the Jewish people understand because remember Judah. Now, 
when you when you say the word Jew, Jew is a derivative or a shortened version of Judah because the tribe of Judah just got bigger and bigger, and the ten northern tribes were carried away in the captivity. Uh, uh, and you know Judah got so big that they even kind of like absorbed into uh, Benjamin into them and Simeon. And so uh, later, uh, most of the uh, really, if you go to Israel and if you were to ask an Israeli on the street. Hey, what tribe are you, you know, are you from? You're obviously Jewish. What tribe are you from? Most of them are going to just tell you, well, I'm, from, I'm probably from Judah because it was the largest tribe. And we're not really sure where some of the other tribes even went to or ended up at. So that, that's what they mean by a Jew. You came from Judah. So that mindset of Judah is in the Jewish people. And it's a blessing uh, uh, because they, they think about the power to get wealth. And think about Judah. When the brothers wanted to kill Joseph. Uh, except for Reuben. Uh, Reuben really wasn't in on it. He's the oldest brother. He's like, I'm going to come back and get him out of the pit later. But, uh, you know, then Reuben kind of disappears off the scene doing something, and the rest of the brothers are they're hanging out, and they're st still thinking about killing him. But Judah says, uh, because, see, the gears in the mind, the Jewish mind, are, are they're turning. And Judah says, now, hold on a minute. Why would we kill, why would we kill him? We could sell him. <laughs> Look, here, here comes a, uh, uh, you know, a, a band uh, of these other men. They're traveling through. Let's, let's sell it to him. Let's sell him to them. We'll get some money out of it. We'll prosper. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll make some money. So they sold him. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. They're thinking about prosperity. They're thinking about wealth. And so, you know, the, uh, uh, who was it, the Ishmaelite traders, they're like, yeah, we'll buy this guy, good-looking fellow, looks handsome and strong, we can easily sell him when we go down to Egypt. So, you know, the money was being exchanged, because why? Uh, they saw something in that man, Joseph, although he didn't want to be sold as a slave, but the Ishmaelites thought, well, hey, yeah, there's, uh, this guy has the ability to please somebody, probably in a royal court, so we're going to get, we're going to make a lot of money out of him when, he, when we sell him. So that's what money is. It's a reward system for having pleased another human. And the Jewish mind also understands that any Jewish father, when you're raising your sons, that if they are not taught a trade and they do not know the trade by the time they enter in the manhood, the father in the eyes of the Jewish culture is considered a failure because you have to have a trade. You have to have something that you can do in your life, not just sit under a tree and play a guitar, okay? But you have to have a trade skill that is a money-earning skill. Let me give you an example. I want, to, I want to talk about money. I want to talk just for a moment about getting into wealth, because there's power to get it. Money, again, is a reward system for having pleased another human. You have a Jewish father. He has two sons. The Jewish father, his trade is that of a plumber. He says, sons, come with me today. We're going to a big job, and I've secured the job. Uh, this is a 5,000-square-foot home we're going to be working on. We're going to put all brand-new plumbing in, and we want to please the homeowner. So he takes his two sons. He shows them how to run the hot and the cold water lines. He shows them uh, how to run the drain lines so that they're sloped a quarter inch, drop every one foot. And, and so everything is done just right, up to code, up to city code. Puts the toilets in, puts the kitchen sink in, puts all the faucets in, eight-inch widespread faucets. Everything is beautiful. And when it's all done, the boys are happy. They say, Father, it just feels so good to please another 
another human. Look what we have done for this man's beautiful home. We have made his plumbing beautiful. And the homeowner comes and he sees the work and he says, oh, it's beautiful. I love it. And he shakes the plumber, the father's hand, and he says, you have done a beautiful job. And he pats the plumber on the back. He says, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased with your work. Now, the father begins to gather up the tools, and the two sons say, Dad, that was so exciting. That was so good to be able to please another human. Let's go do it again for somebody else. And the father says, we will, but first we have to do one other thing. And the boys say, well, Dad, I, I thought we were done. He goes, not quite yet. We still have to get what's called certificates of appreciation. And the sons with a puzzled look say to the father, but... Uh, Dad, uh, the homeowner, he expressed his appreciation. Didn't you see him pat you on the back? He shook your hand. He verbally told you how pleased he is with your work. And the father said, yes, I know that he has done that. But still, there's one final thing that we have to do. We have to get certificates of appreciation. It will certify that he really is appreciative. And the sons say, okay, well, we'll just watch. And so the plumber goes uh, to the homeowner and says, sir, are you, you're totally satisfied with everything? And the homeowner says, oh, yes, it's absolutely beautiful. And the plumber says, I'm so happy that you're pleased. Uh, before we wrap everything up, I just need to collect those certificates of appreciation that we discussed uh, upon agreement before I started the project. And the man says, I'm so happy to give you these certificates of appreciation. How many did I say I'd give you? And the plumber said, you, you told me you would give me 12,000. And the man says, great. He said, would you like it all at one time on a credit card? Or would you like to give me, or would you like for me to give you uh, 120 of these certificates in 100, uh, one, uh, uh, notes of 100 denomination. Oh, the plumber says, well, of course, you know, cash is king. Uh, the credit card takes a little bit of commission out of that. So let's just take them in cash. So the homeowner gives the plumber 12,000 certificates of appreciation. And then with those certificates of appreciation in his hand, he goes over to the two Jewish boys and says, sons, this is how money is generated. This is how wealth is created. We please another human. And when we have pleased them so well, and they're so happy, they are delighted to verify uh, what we have done, our pleasing them. And thus, we now have these wonderful certificates of appreciation. And the two boys go, well, that's cool. Sure, it looks kind of green. What can we do with this stuff? Looks like paper. The dad says, well, come with me. And they go out to the ice cream store, and he takes those certificates of appreciation, starts buying ice cream, and then later they go buy cheeseburgers, and the boys are like, oh, so this is how this works. So the greater our ability to please, oh, you, you have no idea the power of good customer service. Mm-mm. You will go somewhere, often even if the price is higher, if they, if they treat you with respect, with customer service. You know, people go to Mercedes-Benz or to a Bentley dealer, not because the car is on sale. 
They go there because of the perks of leisure, of sitting in a nice lounge area. Oh, would you like some coffee? Would, and it's not just, not, not just coffee being poured out of an old coffee thing into a styrofoam cup. It's, it's a latte that they're brewing on a latte machine, a cappa, you know, cappuccino machine. And would you like some biscotti cookies with that? And uh, you're like, yeah, whoa, yeah, might as well get all I came for. Praise the Lord. See, it's customer service. It's higher levels of service. And that's, so, so you get into that higher level of pleasing. And, there, and there's no limit on how high you can go to that. But the greater the problem you solve and the more you please your employer, I'm telling you what money's coming to you. And the more you please your customer base, the, the more money, the more money that's going to come to you. Stop making excuses for saying, I, this is why I can't generate profits. Don't say things like that when Tesla stock is now over $2,000 a share. Why? They're offering something that pleases their customer base. I'm not saying I'm against, you know, gasoline vehicles. I, I drive a gasoline vehicle, and many of the things that are in the electrical category really are still would be classified in what we would call luxury goods. So that's not down to where most everyday people can drive those things or, you know, put, turn their whole house in the, in the solar. But what I am saying is that if you will stay in your niche, whatever that is, and learn, serve, please, serve, please, solve problems, solve problems, solve problems, you're going up. Money's coming to you. It's not, it's not magic. <laughs> it's not a mystery. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. I see many certificates of appreciation coming your way. Praise God. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. As they are honoring you with the tithe, which tithes, the, which tithes them into a financial covenant. And as they apply these principles of pleasing and solving problems. I thank you, Father God, that power to get wealth is flowing to them through creative ideas to please, through creative ideas to serve. I thank you, Father God, they will know nothing but plenty and prosperity all of their days, regardless of whatever else would be going on in the economy. Their trajectory is up, up, up. In the name of Jesus, say, I receive. In the name of Jesus, say, amen and amen. Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you prefer to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so anytime, day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go right there and honor the Lord with the Holy Tithe. And if you would like to sow some special offering seed, we do have a couple of projects that we're working on, which is the refreshing of the Internet Studios. Uh, the Studio B, which is the midweek studio, is almost completely finished. And we're very happy with it. You'll see the results very soon. And then when that is completed, we'll move over here and do some things to freshen up this studio as well. Thank you for your uh, special donations into those areas. We also have the hangar account which we are continuing to build that up so that we have that provision that's necessary when God says move on it we'll have that ability to move on it and that is something that you can see there under projects the header is called projects on our ministry website thank you so much for sowing above the tithe for sowing seed into those projects praise God mm -mm. the power to get wealth I'm telling you God wants you to be wealthy mm -mm. thank you Jesus hallelujah now, let's take our Bibles and jump into today's message, which is based out of Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to drop directly down to our verse, our key scripture, which is verse 29. 
And let's pray as we move into this right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We ask that your word would be received with fresh anointing, that the eyes of our heart would be illuminated by your Holy Spirit, that we can walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The light is turned on, and we can take these truths that are timeless, and we can work them in our lives and enjoy the miraculous, the peaceful, and the righteous results. In Jesus' name, we pray and we agree. And when around the world, we all say, Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, again, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I want you to understand something about Hebrews chapter 11. This chapter is often called by theologians the Hall of Faith. You know, you have a Hall of Fame. So for sports, you have the Hall of Fame for baseball or the Hall of Fame for music or, you know, whatever, different divisions of music. But here we have what many would rightfully call the Hall of Faith. But this corridor of those who accomplished mighty exploits through faith is a corridor, is a hall that continues to expand and increase. And I want you, I want you to not conclude your journey on this planet until your assignment is finished and your project is hanging as a picture there on the wall of faith with your picture on it. And it's checked off. You did what God had assigned you to do. And that's what we're talking about today. Our title is, You Can Do What Others Can't Do. Please, let me say that one more time. Let it go into your spirit. You can do. You really can. You can do what others can't do. Verse 29, I've always loved this verse. By faith, they, that would be the Israelites, the entire nation, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Didn't work out too good for the Egyptians, did it? Why? Because you can do things they can't do. Now, let's take a brief look just for a moment at what the Greek scholars would call typology. And by the way, that word is actually pulled out of the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Hebrews the Jewish believers, and the word typology refers to Old Testament stories that were literal, real events that at the same time they were real historical events that took place. God was creating word pictures and symbolism through those acts that we as New Covenant believers can look back on and see the, the parallel of many of the things that we face in our modern challenges and uh, the things that we also have to overcome. Now, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a type or shadow, a symbol or a word picture of Satan. Egypt called the Iron Furnace the place of enslavement. Egypt would represent the world, the world system that does not know God and that has hatred towards God. But my friends, don't let it surprise you ever that the world does not understand faith. This is for the believer. The world, because the people of the world are not saved, they are moved by the physical realm of what they can 
see, hear, taste, touch, or smell. Two of those are very big on. They've got to be able to see it, or they've got to be able to touch it. And if they can't, they don't believe it. And so that is not the case for the child of God, because while God did create the physical senses, and we do utilize those, there is also a higher element that He requires that we live by, and that is the principle of the just shall live by faith. Mm -hmm. And when you do things by faith, now I'm not just talking about faith randomly. I'm talking about Bible-based faith on what God said and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you authentic, authentically and the genuine Word of the Lord. That's how you live your life. And when you do that, you can do, you can do things that others can't do. Praise God. Let's look at this more closely at the very story itself found in the book of Exodus chapter 14. And let's go to verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. That one statement, tell the children of Israel to go forward, gave Moses permission to step out on that word and to do what the Egyptians could never do. First of all, they don't have any faith anyhow. They don't even know what faith is. Don't ever expect an unbeliever to be able to grasp faith. They don't. You're going to have to be, they're going to have to become born again if they want to understand the kingdom of God, which we live in. That's why they can't do many of the things, so many of the things that we do. Praise God. The number one thing would be salvation because you're saved by grace through faith. See, the grace is there, but you, you release that grace to flow into your heart by faith. Woo, praise the Lord. You can't even be saved without faith. But the moment you release that faith, which God will give you as a gift, praise God, you become born again. So that's the entrance into the kingdom of God. Remember, remember the kingdom of God is within. One day when Christ comes back, it will be also not only within, but also literal. Praise God. Physical as he rules and reigns from Jerusalem over the entire planet. Praise God. Hallelujah. But that word go forward and the following directives lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. That directive gave Moses a word platform. The word of God to step out on and they did it. Guess what? It worked for them. God sent a wind, and it split the Red Sea in half. Now, I know that there are some believers who try to help God out. And there have been those who have said, um, who traveled over there, and, that, you know, they're really in the archaeology and things like that. And they say, ah, it looks like over here by the Gulf of Aqaba, which the Israelites could have passed this way as they departed from Egypt, that here in this portion where the Red Sea flows into this Gulf, there would appear to be a natural land bridge only 100 feet below the water. And maybe that's where God allowed the water to come back, and they crossed that land bridge. And that's maybe where it happened at. Let me say this. You read the chapter carefully. You read the story carefully. It tells you they went through the deep. 
they went through the deep and the waters were piled up on the left and right. And they could look up at it on each side. It probably looked like a skyscraper of water on each side. I don't know how they crossed such a large area in the amount of time that they did. But let me tell you, they went through the deep part. Hallelujah. They don't need, they didn't need no land bridge. Praise God. They went right through the deep, the very, very deep. Praise God. And they did it because God's word said you could do it. And, but that word was spoken to the people of God. God never told Egypt, Hey, you can do that. Pharaoh, you can do that. God never told them that God would never speak to them to do that. Cause they don't understand what faith is. Anyhow, Mm-mm. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. See, they had gone through the deep area. Okay. Through it to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. Woo, you're talking about going the wrong direction. They're running into it while it's closing on them. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, in the midst of the sea, not an, ex- an extreme inlet somewhere in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. So God really helped them. They're not only just going through it, but God supernaturally dried it up so that they could uh, not get in, uh, stuck in the mud. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Praise God. Now, you, by using the faith that God has given you, you can do what others can't do. Praise the Lord. Now, why does this principle work for some and not for others? Because others either don't have faith or don't understand faith or don't use their faith. Knowing that your testimony can be different, knowing that should God tell you, you can do this and you do that knowing that you have to understand if this is true, which it is, then why listen very carefully. Then why should your life be normal? Like everybody else's who doesn't serve the Lord or who doesn't know God. Why should your life be normal when you can do exploits through your faith in God? Because you can do what others can't do. Mm, mm, mm. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Every single one of the Egyptian soldiers drowned. Mm. Oh, they knew they were in trouble. The soldiers even knew, hey, the the God of the Israelis is working against us. And he was. I mean, their chariot wheels were coming off. They were having breakdowns and stuff like that. You know, later, centuries later, even the Roman army, they had a rule, kind of like a, a, a special clause for certain of their soldiers that if you just woke up and you were having one of those days where, you know, you spilt your coffee on yourself or, you know, uh, just all you do, uh, everything's just not working out. You know, in other words, you know, Hey, I'm supposed to go in battle today and I'm getting all kinds of bad things going on already. You could actually have an out. Now you couldn't do that all the time, 
But there were there were times they could say, yeah, we don't even want you with us. You seem like you're having nothing but a streak of bad luck today. So why don't you just stay back and guard the camp? Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, the Egyptian soldiers are just like, wow, this is ever this is really not going good. But we're being forced to head. So uh, plus we want to kill all the Israelis. So anyhow, God wiped them all out. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But your life doesn't have to be normal. See, God delivered his people. God delivered his people. We are living in a time, in an era of increasing lawlessness. Crazy people doing crazy things. And you need to know that no matter what happens, God can protect you anywhere, anytime, any place. Because even if things are stable and fine, Sometimes trouble just has a way of popping up. Sometimes lawlessness has a way of showing up, perhaps when you least expected it. But as it says that God delivered his people, God is a specialist in this area, and God can deliver you and protect you. Listen, listen, if you believe him, if you believe that he will. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, today... As of the statistics that were released at the end of July of this year. Now, that, that was a little while back as we're continuing to move past that date. But in the city of Chicago, thus far this year, at the end of July, and, we, and you know, so this, there's a little buffer between now and then. But already in the city of Chicago alone, 440 people have been murdered and 2,000 240 people have been shot. And the statistics for crime stats are showing that the statistics for these murders, these homicides, they're actually going up in all of the major cities of America. The most dangerous city for murder, for homicide in America is Chicago, followed number two by Philadelphia, followed by number three, New York City. But my friends, regardless of any lawlessness, regardless of who might show up and cause trouble, if you will simply believe God to deliver you, then you don't have to go through what others go through. You can do what others can't do. You can escape. You can be protected. You can get through unharmed. Why? Because you're a believer and you're using your faith on purpose specifically for that cause. Here is a good verse that anybody listening to the sound of my voice should commit to Scripture in the day in which we live. Isaiah 54, chapter 54, verse 17. Regardless of where you live at in the world, and if you're surrounded like the Hobbit movie, and you have a shire that's nothing but beauty, green and beauty, everything's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful until the orcs show up, okay? <laughs> so commit this verse to heart, even if you live in Hobbitville. Now, Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So you find yourself suddenly in a place where there are weapons and they're being fired or shot. And maybe you're in the middle of it. Unintentionally. Oh, we're all going to die. No, 
If you will hold to the word of God, God will prove his word to you and he'll manifest it to you and not a single weapon on this planet could ever harm you or hurt you. It will not prosper. In other words, it will not succeed against you. Now, I don't know about the others who have no faith in God. I don't know about others who are full of fear and who doubt the validity and the integrity of the infallible Word of God. I can't speak for them, but I can speak for the believer that holds to the Word of God. God will perform His Word for you, and no weapon formed against you will prosper. Mm, regardless, regardless of what you may come up against, praise the Lord. Regardless of where you live, even if it's the most dangerous place in the world, and I'm sure there are people that are watching from Chicago. And we know in these cities, some areas can be more dangerous than others. But regardless, hey, if you got to go somewhere and you got to be somewhere, you got to take the subway or you got to take the car and you got to go that route, be in faith. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I'm telling you that when you use your faith specifically, you can do what others can't do. Mm -mm. Why can't they do it? They don't have any faith in God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. That word fear can be translated deep reverence or worship. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear, who deeply reverence and worship him and delivers them. So there are angels that can show up and they can also go with you into dangerous areas or when you find yourself suddenly in a dangerous situation and they will be around you even as a wall of fire, and they will protect you, and they will deliver you. Praise the Lord forever. Mm -mm. Here's one that's beautiful to commit the heart as well. This is Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 5. Let me say this. We thank God for law enforcement. My wife and I, we, we, we often do things to bless the local sheriffs, the police officers, to show kindness to them. In an era in which many of them are disrespected and insulted, we know that it's proper to honor those civil authorities and those whom are lawless. They are a terror to. Now remember, Paul said in Romans 13, they are a terror to those who do evil works, not to those who do good. Praise the Lord. Now, can some be corrupt? Yes. Can some make mistakes? Yes. But all in all, 99% of them have a heart to lay their lives on the line to serve and protect and bless. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we support them. But while we thank God for them, go higher. Go higher. Let the Lord be your shield of defense. Let the Lord be your protection. Doesn't mean that you don't call uh, the police if you need them. But I'm just saying first, Call on the Lord because those angels can get there you know, like lightning. They can get there like lightning. Mm -mm. I've had the call, uh, you know, police before, the sheriff before because of various things. And, uh, you know, this is a rural area. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes for somebody to show up. You'll never have an angel take 45 minutes to show up. So we thank God. For the defenders of peace, the peace officers. But remember, God can protect you even if you have to stand all by yourself. You'll never be alone. He'll be with you. He'll send the angels. Psalm 91, did you have time to get there yet? Verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. 
nor of the arrow that flies by day. Often those arrows in modern day terms can be bullets. Or if you live in modern day Israel, they could be rockets sent over the border by Hezbollah out of Lebanon or out of the southern part or out of Gaza with the intent to kill and harm uh, and harm the precious Jewish people. But when you hold to the scripture, God will deliver you. He'll deliver you from the arrow that flies by day. And you shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness, the pestilence, the disease, the virus, whatever it is, wherever it came from, whatever lab cooked it up, you shall not be afraid of it, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Wow. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. Why are they falling? Why are they falling? They don't believe God's protection. Maybe they have no knowledge of it, which is why we are teachers of righteousness that declare the pure, true word of God, which is your means of salvation and deliverance, not only for eternal life, but also for safety and protection all the days of your life while you're on this planet for you and your loved ones and those within your umbrella, within your shield of protection. Praise God. Mm -mm. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. How can you make a declaration like that, Pastor Stephen? Because you believe God. That's why. Well, you just never know, Pastor Stephen. We may all just get shot and killed. No, 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 no. That's not happening to the person who believes God for salvation and deliverance. But it shall not come near you. You're not going anywhere. God's going to protect you. Stand on His Word, and if something ever flared up, out of your heart, out of your mouth, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, are you, getting, are you getting us prepped for the uh, apocalyptic uh, showdown? Are you, uh, are you overshadowing the message by saying doom is coming? No, I'm just saying that the world's a dangerous place. <laughs> it's a dangerous place. And it's possible for even sweet, innocent bystanders, a young child walking to school, to be walking right when two rival gangs are shooting and a stray bullet, boom, goes and hits that precious child. But as parents, when we know the Word of God and we know that we have covenant rights and we walk in it and we pray it and believe it over our lives and over our children, over our children, then you will see that God will defend you and your own. Hallelujah. Praise God. Many precious people, even in the body of Christ, have no clue of God's delivering power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation is actually a paraphrased version. In other words, it doesn't give it to you literally because there's a lot in there. So it's going to give you, in a sense, the literal, but it's also going to give you the thrust of what is being said. And I like the New Living Translation. Uh, there, it, it's really, it's re really very accurate in many occasions. Second Peter chapter two verse nine. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day 
a final judgment. Mm -mm. Isn't that amazing? The Lord knows how to rescue godly people. He knows how. He knows how he's done it for thousands of years. Would you let him do it for you? Just believe him for it. Trust him for it. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So those that are not going to repent and those who harden their hearts like Pharaoh, well, you're going to get what's coming to you. They're going to get it. Their day will come and the Lord can keep them in a lockdown condition, but they're not getting out. Mm -mm. But we'll get through. We'll go through unscathed and we'll be blessed all the days of our life. This will work for you. These scriptures will work for you anywhere you live on this planet regardless of how crazy and chaotic it is around your house, your life. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25. This one's amazing. May the bolts of your gates be of iron and bronze. May you be secure all your days. May you be secure all days your days. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. This area of protection is an area that God wants you to trust him for. Whether you're driving somewhere, God will protect you. You know, I was driving my, my children to school one time, Matthew and Jennifer, uh, driving through a very uh, busy area with the, with the road that I had to turn on that a lot of people sped on it, but it was, you know, there's a stoplight, uh, uh, for a four way stoplight and my light turned green and I'm first in line. I'm the front one on the line. Got a bunch of cars behind me. And when the light turned green, this is when I lived in Southern California, the light turned green, Matthew and Jennifer are riding in the back. They both had their seatbelts on when the light turned green. I, I, I just like the Holy Spirit froze me. He froze me. And this, you know, you know, seven or eight seconds is a long time when you've got a green light. And Matthew and Jennifer, after about three seconds, they could see the light. They, they shouted from the back seat. They said, go. And I just, I kept my foot on the brake. I didn't know why I felt, I felt enveloped in the peace of God. And within about Two seconds after that, which would have been how long, you know, about four or five seconds would have taken me to leave that spot, pull out slowly to the middle, make that turn. A car came flying from the other direction, ran the red light, and he went right through. And if I'd have been there, he would have hit us. He was probably going 65 miles an hour in a 30 mile per hour zone, and it could have killed all of us. But God protected me. The angel of the Lord was there and protected me and my uh, whole household. Praise God. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. Mm -mm. Would you believe him today for supernatural protection? Some of you have heard my story of when I was riding in the Mercedes Benz going to a wedding rehearsal for my oldest daughter. She was getting ready to get married. Uh, and this was in Hamburg, Germany. And, you know, the Mercedes Benz is celebrated in Germany and it's a beautiful car. And so this was a big Mercedes Benz that I was in the front passenger seat being driven in by the father of the groom. And we were driving there and uh, he can't speak any German, excuse me, he can't speak any English because uh, he's older generation German. 
and he couldn't speak any English, and I couldn't speak any German, so we could just say hello, you know, and uh, back and forth. That's about all we could do. So we were sitting in the car driving, and when we made a turn to, to merge on the street, we merged, and as we're going along, there was another turn in section where other cars could merge, and there came a car in that uh, it was a drunk driver, and he merged over right into our lane, right into us, and the car went, his car went into us. Now, the father of the groom, he was not a believer. Now, he was a staunch Lutheran. I mean, right? Who, who in Germany is not a Lutheran? So <laughs> it's the national church. So he's a good old uh, Lutheran, and his eyes you wouldn't believe how big his eyes got as he saw it. I mean, the car came into us. I've, heard, I've had other believers tell me stories like this too. But the car came in, into us, and I could see the drunk driver looking right at me. He, was, he merged, and it scared the daylights out of him. But we were stuck together. His car into our car just came together. And this happened for about three or four seconds, which in those moments seems like a long time. seems like minutes, but it's not. It's only a few seconds. And then he merged back out. And whoosh, cut off on an off-ramp and disappeared. It was the enemy's attempt to try to kill me. Look, even if you can't move, even if there's nowhere else to back up, even if the devil thinks he's got you, when you're a person that knows that God is a deliverer, you're not going anywhere. The devil can't take you out. Now, maybe he can take somebody else out who does not know how to stand on the Word of God and use their faith, but he cannot take out a man or woman of God who knows their covenant rights. I'm here today to tell you, you're not going anywhere. No weapon, even if it's a car hurled at you, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Doesn't matter if bullets, machine gun fire, a whole group opens up on you. You're not going anywhere. God has a way to protect you. Mm, mm, mm. And God can merge the natural right into the supernatural, even in front of unbelievers. Mm, mm. Later, later, um, the, the fine, wonderful man that married my oldest daughter, we're very close, he's an excellent man, he told me what his father told him later that day in private, because it shook him, it shook the father up. It really shook him up. He had never seen a miracle. He had never seen the supernatural ever in his life, and it really shook him up. And he told the groom who told me, he said, surely in the car was a holy man of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because he was like, we would have been dead. We would have been dead if God had not intervened. But because he was there, the devil couldn't get us. Woo, praise God. We went unscathed. Thank you, Jesus. God loves you. You are a child of God. God, God has his eye on you for good, for protection. Never for harm. Never, ever for harm. God will protect you. Watch him do it. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be fearful of. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Back in the 1930s, 1920s, China was going through the Boxer Rebellion. And it was, in many ways, lawlessness all over the land. And there was shakings continually. And the military and the governmental structures that did exist were going through revolution and 
very, very few things were stabilized within the country. And so where you could have military groups of soldiers, the problem was is that the soldiers were all corrupt. The generals were corrupt. They would take bribes. And because there was so much corruption, the soldiers often didn't get paid. So the only way for the soldiers to eat, since their own generals are taking their money, their pay, and they're using it for them to stay alive, is that throughout the land, the soldiers had to become bandits and marauders, and they had to forcibly take food, money, anything they wanted from their own civilian people. And it was bad. Uh, we've heard about the wild, wild west out in California, you know, in the 1880s and Nevada and places like that. A lot of that's romanticized. A lot of that is movies. It actually wasn't as wild as people make it out to be. But let me tell you what. In China, in the 1920s, it, it was wild. It, it was every town for themselves. So you better have a civilian group that knows how to stick together and fight. Use your pitchfork. Use your hoe. Because if those bandits show up, if we don't stop them, they're going to kill us all. And you know what they're going to do to the women. It's not good. And there was ravaging all over the land. There was lawlessness. There were robber bands on every bypass, on every highway, on every river route. There was fear, there was poverty, there was corruption everywhere, and there were brutal, vicious, heathen men that could kill you and not even bat an eye that they had just taken your life. It was cutthroat evil. It was rough. It was rough. But in the midst of this era within China, God was sending many stalwart missionaries to bring the gospel to the Chinese people. And one of those special vessels of faith that he sent was a woman from Norway named Marie Monson. And she went over there and when she saw the lawlessness and she saw and heard the reports of what these robbers and looters do when they show up. And especially if you had an army that lost to another army. Now the defeated army is mad. They're angry and they're going to take it out on the local civilians that they're the next time that they're coming across. And, and it's just, it was crazy. It was every city, every village for yourself. And oftentimes when these bands came in, those little towns, they would just melt. And so any kind of like cohesion of like, let's stand and fight when the bad guys showed up with, with guns, armed weapons, and you got a bunch of farmers with hoes and pitchforks, they just gave up and ran. And oftentimes they would leave the women to themselves. They would leave the old people to themselves. And it, it was total fear, total pandemonium. And it was widespread all over the country. And that's where the missionary Marie Monson found herself. But God promised her that he would protect her. And she trusted him and she believed him. And she told story after story of situation where it looked like her and all the other women, the Christians, the, the, the Chinese women that she was winning to the Lord, who in many ways were very vulnerable. They had no guns. They had no knives. They had no swords. Uh, everything they had to do was trust God for protection. There were many times it looked like they were finished. It looked like they were about to be abused. It looked like they were about to be shot or killed. And every single time, countless times, over and over, God delivered her 
and the people that were with her. But that's because she was aware of the covenant promises of God for divine protection, and she believed God, and she saw much deliverance. Praise God. Now, there is a book I would highly encourage you to grab and get a hold of. The book is called A Present Help. A Present Help, written by Marie, M-A-R-I-E, Monson, M-O-N-S-E-N. She was a missionary from Norway sent to inland China. Now, while you can get this book online, I got it downloaded as an e-book from the uh, Apple Store. I want to just read you one story. And remember, the book is just loaded with story after story after story, and they're all miraculous, and they're all supernatural. Here's just one example. Here's I wouldn't call it a normal day because it didn't happen daily, but sometimes weekly. And then whenever she had to travel, it was always high risk. But watch this. The story begins where she says, as usual, it came suddenly. A notorious band of brigands was on its way towards the city. Now, brigands were soldiers. Of the military. But remember, the military is distressed because there's government upheaval. Who's the real general? Who do we serve? And the soldiers are not getting paid. So how are the soldiers going to have their own food met? They're going to go raid the local villages, and they're going to take anything they want. And that includes anything they want to do. And you can't stop them. They've got guns, and you don't. So she said, a notorious band of brigands was on its way towards the city, and the people were fleeing in hot haste. Even people from the suburb in which I was leading a study course for Bible women were fleeing. The confusion was indescribable. Many even ran away from their old folks, leaving them to keep the gate. <laughs> uh, how many people that are 80 can hold the gate against armed soldiers? The Bible women had gathered from two provinces, and only a few of them knew the district. They were told immediately that they were quite free to leave, and that although I myself felt perfectly assured that I was to stay where I was, none of them were to remain on that account. In other words, she's saying, I've got faith to stand. I'm staying. Uh, and if you want to stay, you can stay with me. But she's also saying, if you want to leave, you, you can start running if you want to. They were told immediately that they were quite free to leave, and that although I myself felt Perfectly assured that I was to stay where I was, none of them were to remain on that account. Now, she says, we had a time of prayer together, and at the close, those who wished to flee were advised to go immediately, but they all chose to stay where they were. Remember, in many ways, she's working with young Christians who've just gotten saved, and she's teaching them, but they're still young, but they're following her example and her apostolic influence. They all chose to stay where they were. We decided to spend a while in private prayer alone and without speaking to others to ask God to give each of us a word from the Bible to rest upon. When we met again, they were asked one by one what word had been given. After the first two ladies had answered, they all began to brighten up noticeably. I began to guess what was coming. They had all been given the same word from the Lord. I might have doubted, 
that it was really so, but for the overwhelming realization that I myself had been given the very same promise. And this is what God told every one of those women individually as they were praying, God protect, God protect us, God protect the city. And God told each one of them, I will not destroy the city for the ten's sake. He gave every single one of them Genesis chapter 18, verse 32. And so Marie Monson said, are we not more than 10 here? The women all agreed. The text was not one we had read together, she said, in our Bible course either. We had a good time of praise together. All the anxiety for the group of women I was responsible for had blown away, so to speak. We lay down in our clothes that night. There was some shooting and some heavy bombing, too, at first. Then all was silent. Early in the morning, we were told that the bandits had left the city in great haste. They were said to have heard that a large army was coming to relieve the city and was not far off. We were a very happy group of women that day. We had personally experienced the presence of God for one of His own promises that had been literally fulfilled before our eyes. And she concludes that chapter by saying, by the way, this so-called big army that was going to show up, it never showed up. It, it was just... What it wasn't even true. Those men ran away because they heard a report. But God had sent supernatural protection again. And she tells story after story after story of when it looked like, oh, we're going to get it this time. There's no help this time. Over and over, God delivered them. And then it makes really a lot of what I would call lawlessness that we have seen today on television, even maybe in, in first person, it makes it still seem very light. Now, we don't want things to go crazy. We want stability. Every government wants stability. And I know that communism, atheistic communism, needs there to be an overthrow of what we know as stability. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. But we're praying that that not happen and that God would protect this nation. God would protect this administration and America will move forward and fulfill her destiny and that the preaching of the gospel will not be interrupted or slowed down. Praise God. You know, I was hanging out with a friend of mine who uh, he was tough. Muscles everywhere, um, ripped, strong, uh, used to be in the military, special forces, and he was a sniper, and he had killed many, many, many bad guys. Well, when he got out of the military, he didn't know the Lord, and he didn't know what to do, and he got involved with the mafia, and he became a professional hitman. Well, he would, he would take out people that were bad guys who had double-crossed the, you know, the mafia or people that weren't paid up or stuff like that. So he, he was tough. And he, of course, got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and God gave him a ministry. But he said, Stephen, I ran into something when I was down in Honduras because I went to go visit my mother who ran a women's school and it's full of women and orphans all the orphans are young girls and the other the other people at the school are all women they're all single women he said I'm the only guy there and I'm in a room by myself when suddenly at night here come the gorillas and I'm not talking about gorillas that are furry that walk through the jungle and eat bananas I'm talking about armed men that are brute killers that had showed up in great numbers and droves pulling up in their jeep 
all of them loaded with fully automatic submachine guns. And these women have nothing. Nobody has a gun. Nobody has not even a stick. And he's the only one. And he said, Stephen, I didn't know what to do. He said, fear hit me because he thought they're going to come and they're going to they're going to do awful things to the women. And, you know, and he said, there was a sword in my room. He said, I had a sword. And he said, but what's that going to do against machine guns and big, huge men? And we're vastly outnumbered. He said, I got in that room. He said, I started screaming in tongues, screaming in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, swinging that sword. And he said, all the women were praying, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. And the men, these gorillas had already climbed the building. They were going to, they were all over the roof. They were all around it. And he said, suddenly I heard men falling off the roof as the angels of God began to force and push the men off the roof. And some of them were falling from high, very high heights. You're like 15, 20 feet off, you know, up straight to the ground. And God sent the angels and it terrified those evil men. And they loaded up and they packed up and they got out of there, out of there quick. Not one person was hurt. I have found myself myself unintentionally in places, not try, not directly trying to get there, just took a wrong turn, uh, made a wrong move, and uh, suddenly I'm in a place, uh, this is not good, this is not good. But God has always protected me, always protected me, and kept me safe in many, many dangerous areas. Praise God. My friends, if you'll trust the Lord, He'll protect you. Now remember, uh, Moses was really good at this. He, he knew God was a deliverer because God had delivered the Israelites over and over and over again. And God will defend and protect this Jewish people. As people of faith, we need to take a hold of these scriptures and we need to believe God and trust Him that the Lord will allow us to fulfill our purpose. And to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to stay around. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God will protect you, God will protect your bones. God will protect your health. God will protect every part of what it is that you have. He'll protect your family. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Interesting, in the book, A Present Help, Marie Monson said she received a letter from a missionary up north. And the letter said, if you have real faith, you'll come teach this Bible class for these women who so desperately want to be taught. She thought, hmm, if I've got real faith, because the letter basically said it's very dangerous out on the roads right now. We have reports that the robbers are all lined up. They're ready to hijack. They're, they're ready to uh, shoot, kill anybody that walks through. But he said, I believe you're supposed to be here. And if you really are a woman of faith, you'll come. Well, she prayed about it. She said, Lord, that's a very interesting letter. It's kind of addressed in a way almost like it's a challenge. She prayed. And the more she prayed, she said the darker, more dismal feeling she felt on the inside. So she had prayed for one day prayer and fasting. And it did, something didn't feel good. So she prayed another day of prayer and fasting. And she was just like, no, I have faith for, for protection. But I'm not going to do something that's foolish. Not if God's not in it. See, Dr. Frederick K.C. Price wrote a classic book in the Pentecostal circles years back called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. And a lot of people think they're in faith. A lot of Christians think they're in faith, but they're doing something that's foolish. And if you do that, you're going to get hurt. 
Pastor Stephen, I'm going to go to Iran and I'm going to preach the gospel. Oh, well, good. After you get done there, just go ahead and stop off by North Korea when you're done. But how many of you know that's a one way ticket? If you do that, you're not coming back. That's foolishness. Other things are presumption. Well, I thought God really told me to do that. No, that was head faith. That's not heart faith. And if it's in the head, it's fake. Faith is not in the head. Faith is of the heart. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, faith is in the heart. Woo, praise God. And if you're working out of your head, that's why many say they're in faith, but they're not. It's just something coming out of their intellect. And that's why they failed. Praise the Lord. Well, Marie Monson, she, she said, Lord, you're not in this. I'm not going. She said the moment she made that decision not to go, joy burst back into her heart, and she's happy again. She's like that. Yeah, that. See, people can do that sometimes. Well, if you have faith, you'll come do this. And they, they told that to A.A. A. Allen one time when he had a tent put up, and uh, he heard a weather report. When he heard the weather report, he started taking the tent down. And there were critics who said, well, now, if you're a real man of faith, you'll stand there and you'll rebuke the storm. He said, no. He said, there's other meetings we can go on to, and I feel God wants me to leave. He packed up everything, had all the giant poles, giant tent taken down. The next day. The very site where the tent had stood the day before, the next day when the storm came in, that area was 20 plus feet underwater. They would have lost the tent. They would have lost all the sound equipment. They would have lost everything. Mm -mm. Faith, foolishness, or presumption. Praise God. Hear from the Lord. The, Lord. the Lord's not a joker. He doesn't play games. He's straight up. There's no goofy stuff with the Lord. He's sharp. Hallelujah. There's no fooling around with the Lord. I'm not saying he doesn't have humor, that he's, he's not fun. I mean, he told, uh, he told uh, Abraham, name, name your son laughter. He, he's okay with joy, but he's not a jokester. He doesn't mess with you just to kind of like, ah, you did that. Look how you have to fail. No, he, he's not. There's not, a, there's, not a, there's not a speck of that in God. When he gives you a word, it's valid, it's real. But don't fabricate something and say, God told me when he didn't really do that. You're, you're going to get hurt. And the further along you get in your walk with the Lord, you realize you can't do stuff like that because the enemy, you will open the door for the enemy. Stay on that straight and narrow. Praise be unto the Lord. She told, she told, uh, she sent word to tell the man, hey, I'm not coming. Guess what? Before she could even get that word sent off, I'm not coming. They sent word to her that the very man that said, you must come if you really have faith. He had been captured. He had been captured, and the other Christians had been captured by bandits, and the bandits were demanding a ransom, or they're going to kill them all. Mm. See, there's a lot of people in the church. They, they act hot. They talk. They talk great vibrato. Be careful. Be careful. I'm not saying that faith is not, it's not bold, and it you know, doesn't have that punch, but I'm saying uh, it, it needs to resonate. If it doesn't, you know, red flag going up. Be very, very careful. Praise the Lord. Now, the young Christians asked Marie Monson, the young Christians there in her group, when they heard about the others that had been captured, she said, well, we believe God for protection, and we're protected. How come he's claiming uh, protection, but they, got, they all got caught? <laughs> now they're in big trouble. They're with a knife to their throat. She said they're young in the Lord. They don't understand what real faith is to really stand on the word. And then, you know, you have an attack. You can't suddenly just like, oh, I believe. I believe. No, no, you have, you have to just walk in this. Mm. See, see, the just shall live by faith. Not turn it on all of a sudden when you need it. No, you live by it. 
You live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the word. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. So she, so Marie Monson said, let's hit the floor. So her and her team started praying for the other Christians and the other missionaries that had gotten captured. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for about five hours. And then for some reason, you know, the, the, the bandits said, you know what? Let's not waste our time here. Let's just let them go. Uh, let's go. Let's go ransack some other place and let, you know, hold somebody else for ransom. <laughs> let's just leave. And they did. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was harmed. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God has a distinguishing assignment that he has called you to do. I believe for Marie Manson, because of her apostolic journeys, she needed a special touch in that area of protection because she was going in and out of danger all the time, all the time. She was shot at. She was, and they missed. She was protected. And, uh, but my friends, that real strong anointing she had for divine protection God wants you to walk in his protection, but I also sense there's a specialty area. I would call it your lane or what God has called you to do. And when you really push that and you stay on that task and God protects you and keeps you going and keeps you going, you will end up where you will end up extending that hall of faith and you will find yourself one day in heaven walking down the extended hall of faith of saints and the patriarchs of old who accomplished exploits because of faith in God and being protected. And you'll see it there on the wall, giving glory to God. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, what if God has called me to be a martyr? Well, if he has, there will be grace for that. And he will stand with you and he will strengthen you. But let me say this in some ways. In some ways, because life can be very difficult, one of the easiest things to do is die. You just leave and you go to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Not only that, the body is going to get raised back up on the day of resurrection, and we'll get new glorified bodies. Okay, so in some ways, the easiest thing to do is die. You know what? But it takes faith to live. It takes faith to keep on going and to finish your course. And for many that I'm speaking to, you haven't seen the best yet. And God's got that right out in front of you. So keep going. God will protect you. God will keep you safe no matter what street you walk. Walk in faith. Believe God. Say this out loud. Say no weapon formed against me will prosper. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't be surprised. That that stabilizing force in your life, which is the word, will not only hold you together, but it will also keep others from coming totally unglued when things can hit sometimes in life. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people come completely unglued. I saw one lady, a Bible thumper, had, had a Bible this big on her on her desk. King James Version, top extra special, super religious. She's a Bible thumper, but when something suddenly hit, she came screaming in total terror for fear. And my wife, who is a woman of faith, had to speak to her and calm her down. And that person influenced many, many people. And if that fear that was on her would have got on the others, it would have swept like wildfire. And there's no telling who could have gotten hurt or injured or what kind of goofy stuff could have happened. The just shall live 
by faith. Say it again. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for today's message that because of specific faith based on specific promises, we can do things others can't do. We can go places that others can't go. We can accomplish things that others can't accomplish. We give you all of the praise because our gift is a faith, uh, uh, our, our faith is a gift from you. And we thank you, Father, we use it. Oh, we give you praise for it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. My friends, if you're watching today and you have never made Christ your Lord and Savior, deliverance, and safety and protection begins by giving your heart to the Lord, who is known throughout Scripture as the Lord of Sabaoth, or Lord of Hosts, which means what? Captain of the armies of heaven. And he knows how to get help to you fast when you need it. Praise God. The Lord of Hosts. Want you to put your trust and faith in Him. If you've never received Jesus, who is the Lord of hosts, as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer after me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you seeking salvation. I put my faith and my trust in you now. Save me. Wash my sins away. Give me your new life. Jesus, write my name in your book of life and protect me and keep me safe all of my days so that I can serve you and live for you and bring you glory. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. If you're a backslidden Christian, come back to the Lord right now. Pray this after me. Say, Jesus, I've been away for too long, but I'm back. Wash me clean with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, and keep me in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And protect me from the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Let's celebrate the Lord Jesus today. Let's proclaim his death until he comes. That there at Calvary, all of our sins were placed on him. Every single one of them. Every single one of them were put on Jesus so that we can become the righteousness of God in him. Mm -mm. Grab some grape juice. Grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it and set it apart as holy. And we receive this now as the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the flesh of Christ, we thank you that we hold to the promises that you are a delivering God and you specialize in it and you've been doing it for thousands of years for your people and we are your people. Thank you, Father God, for protection from anything, a bullet, a storm, anything. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. That there at Calvary, all of our sins, all of our lawless acts were put on Christ, and he bore them for us as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And he became 
the propitiation for our sins. He became the sacrifice that atones for all of our sins, covers them, washes them away, and you remember our sins and lawless deeds no more. We thank you. They are gone. They are burned up. And we are cleaning your sight through the blood of Christ and our faith and trust in him. Father, we now receive the blood of Jesus with great thanksgiving. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, should I lock my doors and lock the windows? Of course. Use common sense, right? But also, as you do the natural, trust God to do what you could never do. If you ever need it, he'll be there for you, and the angels will surround you with the holy wall of fire. Stay blessed. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.